This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. How you doing? Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. You can subscribe to our weekly boxing podcast via our website, fightdisciples.com. We're also available on social media at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram if you want to get involved with our daily conversations about the sweet science. And there's so much, so much to talk about um, on today's show, we've got reviews, we've got previews. Let's get to it, shall we? Let's get in there and find out what's on today's show. Because we've obviously got to talk about Nick's birthday and the present that I got him. He thinks that I robbed it. Have you managed to crack into it? You'll be able to get into that, won't you? You'll be able to get it. I'll be able to get into it, yeah. I'm saving it. I'm saving it for a special occasion. But uh, it was typical. And I like the way you've got a cover story there when I know <laughs> in reality... I've robbed it. You did a runner out of Sainsbury's <laughs> with it under your arm. Aside from that, we talk about Frampton. Of course we do. What a great fight it was with Leo Santa Cruz. But we also talk about that knockout on the undercard. You're kind of thinking, go down, go down. And he just, you know, it reminded me a bit of Ronda Rousey in the UFC when she got finished recently. He kind of, he just stumbled right, like, do 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 take a free shot. Bang. It's like, no! We're also looking ahead towards Eubank Jr. this weekend. Probably becoming the IBO super middleweight champion of the world. But before we get to it, we've got to issue an apology to ITV, and in particular ITV box office. Allegedly, we've been leading you up the garden path, but it's only information that they give us. There's going to be some. It's not like a big ITV broadcaster to uh, backtrack when uh, you know what I mean. They've, it, things aren't necessarily going their way, but we'll play. But we'll play ball. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll jump on. Nobody changed their minds much. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome to episode 71 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Hope you are well. Thank you so much for downloading and coming to join us for a little bit of boxing talk. Before we get stuck into that boxing talk though, obviously there'll be people thinking, hey, how did Nick's do go? How did Nick's party go? Was it all good? How was the cake? Did everybody get hashed up? Well, let me tell you, the cake was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. The makers of the cake, well done. I'll give you a full round of applause and obviously Mrs. Pete for sorting that cake out, sensational stuff. Boxing themed as well. Exactly. Why not? Got to be boxing themed, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Got to be a fight theme. Boxing glove on. Maybe top we of the should. Cake. Maybe we should. I'll get a picture of the cake and we'll put it out on the. I've got social. one. Have oh, you got it? Yeah. Right. We'll, I took we'll a put of it, it out. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let everyone have a nose. All yeah. right. We'll set that up on uh, at Fight Disciples on Twitter. We're going to have a little bit of a nosy. Yeah. No herbs in it. Straightforward. Just uh, cream and chocolate. Straightforward. That's, right. That's, That's how it, it is. Exactly. <laughs> um, and for those that do follow us personally on uh, social media, you will have seen. Uh, Nick put up on his Facebook or on his Instagram or on his Twitter feed um, a lovely picture of um, the hoard that he has managed to acquire from his birthday party, the presents that he received. Yeah. Um, for those that know Mr. Pete, they'll know that he's a whiskey drinker. He right. likes he likes People who don't know, who can now see that picture, can <laughs> put two and two together. But I do like a tipple, yeah. Does like a bourbon in particular. I love a bourbon, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, so obviously other people... Um, that were at the party, they thought, what do you get Nick? You get Nick a bourbon, simple as that. So you, yeah. you, you've acquired quite a few. I did, did well. Um, now, there's a story behind... One in particular. There's a, there's a story behind <laughs> one of the gifts that I got him, right? So it, it's obviously a whiskey. Now, I purchased it legitimately, Bollocks. first of all. I've, Bollocks. <laughs> I bought it legitimately. Yeah. But it's come in a box as this thing, right? Now, on Saturday afternoon, my wife phones me up. We said, this present that you want me to wrap for Nick... It's still got the security tags on it, right? <laughs> now, obviously, with him being a scouser, I thought he'd be used to like breaking into all that type of stuff. So I thought, I'll leave it. Leave it. It'll be fine. Anyway, the picture, you put it up there. Right at the front. Right at the front it. with the security tags. And everybody's giving me abuse now, aren't they? 
giving me tons, man. Have you managed to crack into it? You'll be able to get into that, won't you? You'll be able to get it. I'll be able to get into it, yeah. I'm saving it. I'm saving it for a special occasion. But uh, it was typical. And I like the way you've got a cover story there when I know, <laughs> in reality... I've robbed it. You did a runner out of Sainsbury's <laughs> with it under your arm. Some little fat security guard chasing you across fast, the car park. I'm feeling fresh. I'm feeling good. All these uh, all these uh, smoothies that I've been having since uh, since January has helped me to dart across the car park with the, uh, with the Jack Daniels under my arm. <laughs> Sensational stuff. Um... Did you obviously with the, with your do? Yeah. How did you uh, um, Sunday take, fun day fight day? Yeah. How did you take it in? Uh, well, I had the did kids. Did you go straight to the thing, or did you go to bed? Well, no, I got home um, two sheets to the wind, obviously. Yeah. And then from from the aftermath, mm. basically when the kids and the wife woke me up at half past six in the morning, I was still fully clothed, well done, lying them. on the couch. Well done, them. Judging by the array of cheese and crackers that was strewn <laughs> all over the floor, <laughs> the spilled bottle of beer. The beaker of Jack Daniels that was out as well. Not that it wasn't a normal glass or a normal whiskey. It was a beaker. Oh, it was a beaker. It went yeah, for a exactly. full beaker, yeah. Judging by that kind of, the, the remains there, I'm thinking mm. I thought I was going to stay up and watch it. Yeah, live. yeah, yeah. You well, know, you, told me, you told me that you do. Yeah, I'm going home and I'm watching the lot. I'm going to yeah, stay yeah. right through till the early hours of the morning. Exactly, okay. yeah. All right, mate. <laughs> Woke up and thought, don't remember a single second. Don't even remember getting home, never mind any kind of fight. So, uh, so yeah, I went to bed for an hour or two, come back down. The wife, sensationally, she took the kids out for well a few Well done, hours. Mrs. Pete. Well done. So I, I literally sat there and I drilled the entire Vegas show and then I drilled the entire UFC card as well. So Wicked. It was, an, it was a good Sunday. Well, we'll have a full review of all the UFC stuff uh, on tomorrow's podcast. Make sure you download that. Hit the subscribe button via our website, fightdisciples.com. But let's get stuck straight into Vegas, shall we? Because... I'm going to be honest with you, I saw a lot of um, the build-up to this, and I made a comment on my own, I think it was on my own social media rather than the Fight Disciples one, where I said, I have not seen a fighter be able to command such support since Ricky Atten. Yeah. And I think you only really find out when you do go and do a Vegas show. Obviously, in, in your hometown, we see Corolla, for example, uh, we see the likes of Josh Warrington in Leeds, all these types yeah. of guys, they're well-supported. Yeah. But how well-supported are they when they go overseas and they go to Vegas? Of course. Frampton's the boy, man. He yeah. took over. He the did. Northern Irish took over Vegas last week. To be able to out-sing the Mexicans, Oof. you know, in Vegas, that takes some doing, you know, because they always have a good turnout. But I suspected that because Frampton had a good turnout in Manchester as well. Yeah, he did. You know, he came over then, but then it's kind of different, you know, it's a, it's an easy Jeff flight from, from Ireland over yeah. Yeah, Liverpool yeah, yeah. and then half and an people, hour and there's a lot of Irish that motorway. reside in Liverpool and Manchester anyway exactly so, uh, so you kind of expected that but to see that on Saturday well for me Sunday but to see the atmosphere that the fans generated and you know it, it, did, it was pretty special Like, what did you make of the fight? I thought the fight was brilliant again first round We've had 24 rounds I was rounds awake, I was now awake straight away. Brilliant. As soon as that first round kicks off, you're like going, shit, we're on here. Don't, yeah. I can't go make a brew. <laughs> no, the, the first round was just sensational. The final minute of the first round, Brilliant. I was just like, oh my, this is going to be fight of the year. Fight of the year. But to be honest, that by the end, I'd say so far, I know it's only January getting carried away, but what a performance by Leo de Santa Cruz, I've got Mate. to say. Absolutely Surprisingly. sensational. Well, all the way through the build-up, Frampton had convinced us like he'd convinced everybody else. Listen, he can't get any better. I can. I've improved. He can't do any more than throw 1,100 punches. He can't do better than that. Mm. But he did because he outthought Frampton. They went away. They made a game plan. We're going to counter him. Let him come forward. We're not going to rush forward, throwing hundreds of shots, which is what Santa Cruz has built his entire career on. Yeah. His entire legacy is built on volume. Mm. And yet in a fight against Frampton, he held back. And he said afterwards, didn't he? He said, it was paining me not to go forward. But me, the father had drilled into him, 
counter this kid. Let him come on to you. Let him take chances to try because he's the smaller man. Yeah. And in theory, that's that that is what you should be doing if you're a rangy fighter. Let the little guy come forward, pick him off with your jab, mm. and then he's got to try and lunge in to land the big shot, and you can pick him off again, move to the side. So I, I was so impressed with Santa Cruz. Massively impressed. That fight actually went it went exactly how I imagined it would go, but roles reversed. Yeah. That's how I thought when I said that I thought Frampton would stop Santa Cruz. That's what I thought would happen the other way around. I thought that Santa Cruz, as we all know, pressure fighter, he always comes forward. And I think he'd do I thought he'd do more of it in this particular fight in order to make a statement and win his belt back. Yeah. Which then enabled the boxer, as in Frampton, sit on your back foot, pick him off for fun, and then when he overcommits, whack him with an uppercut and that's it. Yeah, Game yeah, over. Of course. But it was the other way around. Completely. Frampton had to, was trying to close that distance down, and every time he came in, he was just getting picked off for fun. He was, yeah. Especially early. Let, yeah. I, I, he caught it back up. Don't get me wrong. A little bit later on well, in the to be fight, honest, I, I think it was it was either heading into nine or out of nine. I did all square. Mm. I did level. Good shout. With three with three rounds to go, I was like, this is this is anyone's fight. I thought Santa Cruz was sensational down the stretch in the mm. championship rounds, but you know, I found myself at pains because of what's about to come up. Agreeing with David Hay a lot because David Hay was saying so much so. Yeah, I, I was sitting there and I was thinking, I was four or five rounds in, and I was thinking, Shane, tell him. The last, as soon as you hear the klaxon go, the last 10 seconds, Santa him. Cruz was putting all his work in. And these rounds are close. He's catching the eye of the judges. So I was waiting for Shane to say, listen, last 10, stay on it, because he's that's how he's trying to pinch the round. And David A nailed it in the commentary when he said it. So I thought, yeah, I completely agree yeah. with you. He's got to watch it. And it was such a clever performance from the Santa Cruz camp. I think I literally think they just, they out-game planned. You know, the, the, the boxer, you know, the, the fighter outboxed the boxer. Yeah, yeah. Which was crazy. It was complete role reversals, but... Uh, Oh man, 24 rounds, I, I need to see the next 12. Well, we'll get to that in a minute, but just on that, what you were saying, because obviously in co-commentary, Frotch was there as well, right? Yeah. And him and Hay was, they had different opinions, what should Completely. be happening. Yeah, one yeah. should be going forward, one should be staying on the back foot, right? That, that, that was their arguments. And I found that conversation really amusing, because Frotch just wants everybody to fight like what Frotch used yeah, to yeah. fight like. That's exactly. what he wants them to do. Fight like me! <laughs> you know what I mean? No leather! <laughs> exactly. Whereas when Hay was coming in and saying what he was saying, he was saying the things, exactly what you've just said, what I was thinking. And, um... Again, it pained me to agree with him a little bit because I'm thinking, <laughs> fucking hell, he's right. This is exactly what... But traditionally, I wouldn't have agreed with him. I would have agreed with Frotch. But when I was watching that particular fight, I was thinking to myself, he does need to... I know that he's anxious and he wants to put it on yeah, Leo yeah, Santa Cruz. Of he just needed a little bit more discipline. And he will kick himself. Today he'll watch it back or uh, the weeks or after the fight, he'll watch it back and he'll kick himself because... A little bit more discipline, like yeah. what Santa Cruz had, as he spoke about, didn't he? It was all about discipline for him. Of course. His natural was to stick it on, uh, Carl Frampton, but he, he reined it in. And if Frampton had reined it in, we might be talking about a different result right now. Yeah, I completely agree. And you know what? It goes back to what we were talking about on the podcast last week, where all the pressure was on Frampton. Yeah. Frampton had to perform. Ring Magazine, Fight of the fans Year. Fans as well. The fans had made all that big journey. All the US press were there going, okay, then let's see this Ring Magazine, Fight of the Year guy. We've seen him in New York. Mm. He looked good then. Let's see what he can do when, his, when he's the star attraction in Las Vegas. So yeah. all the pressure was on Frampton to make it a fight. So I think that was also on him. It was like, wait a minute, this guy's not coming forward. He's supposed to rush forward. He's not. I'm going to have to go forward then. I'll pressure him. Yeah. Now, Frampton previously, he can fight going forward. You know, I've seen it. But against someone of Santa Cruz's calibre, mm. who is so rangy and knows how to use it, you know, he, that jab worked fantastically for him. He should have done what he did night. against Scott Quick. Yeah, completely. Stink the first six rounds out if exactly. you want. Exactly. Go on then. You come at me because 
even at the end, Santa Cruz said, "I apologise to the fans. That wasn't this. This is this wasn't what I'm all about. This is not why like I've got a following." But I had to fight to type. I had to win, win this fight. fight. Mm. But I think if Frampton would have stunk the yard out as going, going all right, then well, I'm, I'm waiting to count to you as well. I think after six rounds, Santa Cruz might have been the one that went, oh, fuck it, I'm going to have to do something. Yeah. The crowd are booing. You know, everyone's upset yeah, with me. Absolutely. My entire career, I've been loved for this aggression. He's not coming forward. I'm not going forward. The fight's going shit, right? I'm going to I'm gonna take a chance and go forward. Then Frampton, you know, just basically outstink him. Yeah. Just, again, I think the pressure might have just been on Frampton. Plus the build up as well. I don't think Frampton did himself any favours because all week he was saying, I'm better, he's not better, I'm better, I've improved, I'm going to stop him this time, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And I think he just built it up so much in his mind that he was going to have this incredible performance. And then when things didn't go his way, he kind of didn't have a second game, he didn't have another game plan, you know, he tried something else but didn't quite work, but he was still just walking forward mm. into Santa Cruz. You, you mentioned there, I mean, they've mentioned it straight after the fight, I mean, within seconds they were talking about part three, weren't they? Yeah. Now, for me, I don't want part three immediately. Okay. Okay. The reason for that is because we've had two crackers. Like you say, we've yep. had 24 rounds of absolute brilliant action. Yeah. They've now got one apiece. And with what we've just said there, I think there will be a standoff in the third fight. If it went immediately, I think there would be a standoff. There would be an element of, I'm going to stink this out a little bit. I'm, yeah, I'm here yeah. to win the fight. Of course. So for me, don't do three straight away. I want to see three yeah, yeah. eventually. Don't do it straight away. Because you've still got fantastic fights with Selby. Yeah. I Abner- felt for Selby, to be honest. Oh, mate, massively. Abner Mares, all these types of fighters in that particular weight division, there's still some te- sensational fights. I'd like to see these guys maybe pit it up against those fellas and then maybe come back to it in 18 months from now. Yeah. If Belfast or maybe back over in I'm not bothered where it is, but do it again in 18 months when you've kind of lost sight of each other yeah, and then yeah. you can come at it fresh, if that makes sense. No, I completely agree because, listen, these guys have spent, what, the best part of the last six months to a year just thinking about each other. Yeah. You know, with these last two fights, six months at least. So it, it wouldn't be a bad thing for either of them to go in the opposite direction and then come back together. And to be honest, I think that would just build the fight even more anyway. It would sell it more. Quite whether that's going to happen, I don't know, because obviously they both seemed quite, certainly the Frampton camp, they're like, come on, we give you the rematch. And you promised that we could have a rematch in Belfast if it didn't go our way. Yeah. So I think they're going to call them on that. Plus, if I was Santa Cruz's camp, I'd be like, you know what? Belfast not a bad idea because once again it's the Frampton show. We just turn up, we stink, stink the yard out. Doesn't bother us would because it, Frampton, yeah. the pressure would be on him to perform in Belfast. With would all he? The fans. Would Santa Cruz get a decision though in Belfast? Well, that's that's the other argument. Obviously, you know Santa Cruz may think that he's because he doesn't throw a lot. When he was a bit smaller, obviously he's a three weight world champion. When when he was a bit smaller, he seemed to put a lot more people away. Whereas now he doesn't seem to load up his shots yeah, anymore. Yeah. He just wins fight by volume. Shane McGuigan actually said that in the corner, didn't he? Yeah. He said, you're loading up and he's not. And he's just just, just picking you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He wasn't trying to hear Frampton. Mm. He was just catching the eyes of the judges. And that just seems to be the way he's gone as a featherweight, certainly in this, in this, uh, in this, you know, encounter with these two guys. So if I was them, if I was that camp, I'd probably jump out Belfast. I think it probably will happen immediately. Um, The the disappointing thing, of course, is the fact that Selby never got to box at the weekend. So, And now there's no other option. Do you know what I mean? There's no... Selby was the perfect option to fight Frampton next in, in yeah. Belfast had the result gone Frampton's way. But he didn't get the chance to catch the American audience. He didn't get the chance to compete over there and show everyone why he's a legit world champion himself. Mm. And I think that really stunted Lee Selby's growth, unfortunately. The only way you can kind of see this now is if Santa Cruz 
goes in a different direction. Frampton fights Selby because Frampton's still a bigger name for Selby's world title belt. And then they bring them back together for unification. Because Santa Cruz can't like, okay, yeah, we'll do the rematch. But, you know, we're the champ now, so... We want the 70-30 split, even mm. if it is in Belfast. The rumour is in that um, for Selby, and like you said, I would go for him as well because mm. it's just the perfect story, isn't it? You perform on that undercard, you, you line up the winner of the next fight, away we go. Yeah. Um, but the rumour is that I think Abner Mares was in uh, in attendance of that particular fight at the weekend. They've met each other backstage, they've had a bit of a chat, a bit of a handshake and stuff like that. Obviously, um, offering him condolence for not getting his, his big moment in Las Vegas. Uh, but Maris has come out on social media and he said, I'll come to Cardiff, let's do it. Brilliant. So you never know. Um, yeah. In the next couple of months or so, that yeah. could be happening. Lee Selby, Abner Maris, great fighter in that division. Um, and that could then propel Lee to, that's, to, be ready, yeah. to, th- to that level of the Santa Cruz's, the Framptons, where people are talking about, let's unify a division. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. It's a, it's a hot little div- weight class, isn't it, right Very now? Very hot. I just, it got midway through the fight and I was thinking, I feel I felt like kicking myself because... Looking back on last week's show, now I almost feel like we got pulled along on the Frampton massively, yeah. Gravy train a little bit too much, you know. We didn't get—I personally didn't give Santa Cruz enough respect for what he'd done previously. It was only when uh, after we'd recorded the show, I think it was like Friday or something. I'd watched the weigh-ins and things like that. And I was, and I was just thinking about Santa Cruz as in his previous run as champion before the Frampton fight and everything else. And I was thinking. You know what? Maybe we've underestimated this guy. And underestimated you know, the relationship with his dad because his dad wasn't around the last exactly. time. Well, we kind of laughed it off, didn't we? We were yeah, like, oh, yeah, his dad yeah, wasn't yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. That, what, what kind of an excuse is that kind of thing? Well, massive. Tell you what, it was a huge fucking thing because obviously his dad pulls all the strings. He's the, he's the game planner. And he's, it sounds like his dad's obviously like, you know, his dad tells him what to do and he does it. You know what I mean? Where his, when his That's brother what he's was the coach. To do, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. When his brother was the coach, it's a bit like, well, you think that? Well, I think this. You know, it's kind of, you're debating whether your brother's doing the right thing. Whereas your dad, you're like, right. Follow these instructions. Jump? How high? Yeah. How high do you want me to jump? That's it. You know, so. Uh, no, uh, you know, it was Santa Cruz's night. I thought, f- to be honest, I thought Frampton took defeat like a champ. Like an absolute Awesome. Champ. That's how you take defeat. Completely. Any kid what, trying to get into this sport, not just this sport, sport in general, yeah? yeah? You compete. You want to win, of course you want to win. You're yeah. gracious in that victory, but you're even more gracious and humble in defeat. And I thought he was absolutely sensational. He will have won a lot of fans doing that. Completely, completely. And I thought uh, I thought young Shane McGuigan handled himself well in the corner thought as well. Thought they all did, yeah. You know, I thought he was telling Frampton the right things to do. They tried different things. I just, It was just Santa Cruz's night. Everything went right for their corner, you know. Mm. The start was so was just perfect for them mm. and from then on it felt like Frampton had to chase him as soon as he was a two or three rounds behind I felt like Frampton was chasing the fight then and that was what got him into trouble certainly in the in the latter stages of each round in that stable Josh Taylor was out really early yes. I think he was out like five o'clock yeah. Um, yeah. Las Vegas time you know, people just finished in chicken wings around the, around yeah, the poker there's, table there's people yeah. in the background hoovering the seats and everything. <laughs> but what fantastic effort for him to be on that card yeah, a lot of eyes on him um, and an opponent that didn't go anywhere. Yeah. The the reason why I like this, and some people might look at it and think that they were a bit disappointed with Josh Taylor not blowing this kid away, but for me, Josh Taylor blows everybody away. Exactly. And I think he needed to go to the America um, without his bandwagon of amazing support that he gets in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, go on a card like that, right at the bottom of the bill, and fight a kid that is not going to go anywhere. And to be fair, he put in a great performance. He won by unanimous decision. He yeah. wobbled him a couple of times. Yeah. But most opponents that he's faced so far have gone over. Have gone over as soon as he's touched them. Of course, great learning fight. Rounds in the bank. 
onwards and upwards exactly uh, back in Scotland. Well, it's a completely different style, isn't it? You know, that, that, the style Oliveira brought to the ring is something that Josh Taylor hasn't seen before. You know, big, tall Mexican. You know, tough. Um, but obviously, still a still a club level fighter, if you like. You know, but he's not not. No, no, far, pretty far removed from being any kind of a whale beater. But you're right. I thought that was a perfect opponent for jo- you know. He doesn't need to be going to America and knocking people over as well. That's what he does in Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Let the Scottish fans enjoy this emerging talent. But when he's on the road like so that, sparring, he's got to learn. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that was the good thing about him being there throughout the entire Frampton camp because I'm sure that month they've all spent on the on the on the west coast. He'll have had better sparring level than that even as well. He'd probably sparred even better people than that. Yeah. So the experience for him, you know, for a guy who's never even been to Vegas before to suddenly on a Vegas bill, I know. sensational. No, I know. Um, we walk away from, obviously, what happened in Vegas. A little bit disappointed because France is no longer the world champion, but I'm sure he'll be yeah. in those world title mix uh, very, very soon. Um, but we also talk about a man that's become a three-weight world champion. Unbelievable. With... Just a sensational performance. Yeah, what a knockout. To, t- to take three rounds to knock out the world champion at yeah. lightweight and to to grab yourself the green and gold, the WBC lightweight championship, when you've been out for two and a half years. Yeah. Mikey Garcia's been injured. He's been out for two and a half years, yeah? Um, and you mentioned a little earlier on when you are talking about Santa Cruz about going up weights, carrying power. Mm-hmm. Santa Cruz is winning... Over 12 rounds. Yeah. Mikey Garcia don't need 12 rounds, man. No. He's carried that power beautifully. He's deadly, isn't he? Absolutely deadly. You know what? I forgot. It sounds mental, but them two years or so that he was out for, I just completely forgot about this guy. You know what? He's just one of those guys that in your mind, he just seems to have gone AWOL. You think, you probably never heard of him again. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've talked about lightweights a lot. Flanagan, Crawler, obviously, Linares. We've talked about him a lot. Who's the best on the planet? We haven't mentioned him once. Never. And then he's a mate. He's he's, he's back. You know, he's back in (laughs) style. How are you, lads? Because that's that fight. Because I'm watching that fight back. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember looking at the bill last week. I was thinking... Mikey Garcia and I quickly checked his, on his record and I was like yeah it's the same guy Michael Garcia yeah and then when he come out on the Saturday with his hair all slicked back and he looked huge and I was like that's not the same guy yeah, this yeah. guy I remember had a little wispy moustache and short hair yeah, yeah. and all that and then I checked no it's definitely the guy I was like wow he's changed so much mm. but then I remember um, the, the the champion Zlatovic or whatever his name is. Zlatic. Uh, De- Dejan. Yeah, Dejan's... Right, this is pronunciation thing. Adam Smith goes Zlatichinin. Um, I call him Zlatikanin. But whatever, each to their yeah, own. Yeah, it's yeah. the same dude. Well, I, I remember the guy when he came He came over and he beat uh, Ricky Burns. You know, he beat yeah. Ricky Burns for the interim WBC belt. And I remember him then and I thought, wow, oh, he's a good. good kid. Like, he's got heavy hands as well. I thought, it's going to be a good fight, this. And then as soon as the, fi- soon as the fight started, it was about levels. And the world champion, off, the world champion, was completely out of his depth. Mikey Garcia just looked sensational, and that finish, oh my god! I'm Ruthless, not surprised man. the referee just stopped it straight away because Ruthless. the little uppercut that he caught him with was lovely, but it completely disorientated him. Then he cuffed him with that left hand across the top of the head, just to scramble his brain. But as he as he fell into the ropes, you kind of thinking, go down, go down. And he just, you know, it reminded me a bit of Ronda Rousey in the UFC when she got finished recently. He kind of, he just stumbled right, like, do 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 do, take a free shot. Bang! Like, no. On the slow mo, <sighs> there's a, there's a there's a there's an angle that I've seen of of the slow mo, like you've just said that the uppercut, and then he stumbled into the rope, but he's facing the wrong way. He's coming off the ropes backwards, and then he's trying to regain where he is in the ring. Yeah. And as he turns round, if you don't watch uh, Zlatichnin, 
Watch Mikey Garcia's eyes light up. He's like going, fucking hell, free shot. Watch this. And his eye, honestly, his eyes fully light up. And you're thinking, shit, you're yeah. shouting shit at the camera. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he lands that it. That right hook. Oh, oh, you couldn't have landed man. it any better, could it was you? absolutely perfect on the button. Free shot. I don't care who you are. I don't care what weight you are. Now, anyone from middleweight down would have gone down off that shot because it was just right on. But it's a free shot, isn't it? It was, yeah. it was scary, actually. Watching the replay, I was like... And you just seen the back of Dejan's head. And he was snap down for a back. long time. And he bang, he hits the canvas heavy, and you're just thinking, oh my, he's killed him. He's actually killed him here. That was such a big shot. But I'm sitting there watching the replay, and I'm thinking, man, Crawler and Turbo Terry do not need anything of this. Nobody guy. needs him. Not even Linares needs him. Nobody. Linares is brilliant, but you don't want to be getting in with Mikey Garcia. No, not after the performance like that. That was a statement performance. But that's like two consecutive weeks now we've seen this emerging knockout artist. Yeah. Brand new to a weight division. That looks like an absolute killer. Welcome addition, isn't he? Massively, ma- massively. I w- exactly. I want to see him again. Yeah. But when he's on the microphone at the end of the fight, I'm thinking, don't call Crawler's name out. Don't call <laughs> And he's like, going, I'm going after Crawler. I'm thinking, shit. No. <laughs> no. But let's do it in Manchester. I'd like to see you come and fight like in to Manchester. See you live, yeah. No, absolutely. Mikey Garcia, welcome to the Lightweights, mate. Three weight world champion, carrying that power for fun. Absolutely sensational. Just a quick one as well. Uh, just want to mention uh, David Benavidez. Uh, a lot's been made of this kid. His yeah. rise. Um, 16 and 0 now, isn't he? Yeah, so many people talking about he's got bags of power. Um, he's going to be in uh, that mix very, very soon at world level. Well, the hype is real for me. I watched him at the weekend very very briefly. It was a very brief fight. He went in there, he did a job on his opponent. Yeah. Okay, the level of the opponent isn't necessarily world level. He was unbeaten, though, the guy. Was yeah. unbeaten, so. But you've got, you've got, okay, you've got, you can beat what's in front of you, but for me, um, a real test for me, him next. You've got you've got to put him in with one of those names that everybody goes, oh, right, okay, now we know. If you beat this guy, now we know that you're the real deal. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It, it, and he's ready for it as well. You know, after, Massively, he's knocking everybody out. After 16 fights, you know, you, you've got to be banging on the door for a, for a world title shot or, a, you know, a, a former world champion would be perfect for him. Mm. But he, again, that super middleweight division, you know, there's some, there's plenty of belts in there, there's plenty of guys knocking around in the top 20. And uh, he, you'd fancy him against anybody. Um, just a quick one as well. This is away from Las Vegas because there was so much awesome action going on at the weekend. I mean, if you had, if you, if, if you're a subscriber to Box Nation, you could just flip between any channel that you wanted, and there was some world uh, world class action going on. Uh, Birchelt Vargas uh, was obviously going on. Um, when Mexico brings a civil war to a boxing ring, you know full well that it is on like Donkey Kong. When two Mexicans get in there, mate, it's going to be crazy. This is why I'm now starting to get a little bit more excited about Canelo and Chavez Jr., which is coming up. Yeah. Yes, okay, Chavez Jr. might be dead at the weight and it might not necessarily go full 12 rounds, all right? But this little bad boy has got me excited for it, mainly because there were Mexicans in there. And I didn't anticipate Birchill to do this to the champion. Vargas, as we know, but I think he's been involved in fight of the year for the last 25 years or something, <laughs> yeah. right? Obviously, we know about the uh, Takeshi Mura uh, fight from 2015, I think that was. Um, last year against Orlando Salido was absolutely Brilliant. unbelievable fight. Yeah. They've gone again, man. He's gone again. He's, he's going to get nominated again because this was an absolute beauty. He's all, his face is busted up. I think the referee had, he started with a blue shirt. He finished with a red shirt. There was that much blood in this ring. It was ridiculous. He's got a split all over his eye as uh, uh, Francisco Vargas, but he's lost his belt because I didn't anticipate 
him ever getting stopped. I never anticipated him getting stopped, but there was just too much. I think it was the 11th round, back end of the 11th round, yeah. um, where uh, Birch had just, he, he was, to be fair, too, punch perfect and too much pressure, I think, yeah. um, is the best way of assessing that particular fight. But we've got a new champion there as well. So I would love to see, uh, I was, I'm hoping that Canelo versus, you know, uh, Chavez Jr. goes the same way. I think that's a bit of a pipe dream, to be honest. No, massively, yeah. You know, I just think, I think you're right. I think Canelo's just way too big for him and way too strong, but... Uh, uh, way too big a, a star power for him, if you like. But yeah, that was a, a cracker at the weekend. And you kind of expect it, don't you? As you say, two Mexicans in the guy that's got that kind of record. It's uh, it's a belt. And anyone who hasn't seen it needs to go back and watch it because it's uh, that's a potential fight of the year right there. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Now then, um, there's obviously some fights going on this weekend, which we're all dead excited about, mainly because one of our Mets is um, is on the undercard and we uh, will keep banging the drum for him to become heavyweight champion of the world. And when he does, we'll be screaming at everybody that doubted us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, before we get into uh, the ITV box office pay-per-view event this weekend, we've got an apology to make, haven't we? Well, you know, they did come knocking oh. on the door, didn't they? When ITV come knocking on your door and uh, and, and read you the right act, you've got, you've got to hold your hands up sometimes. Now, two, three weeks ago, we had Pricey on the show, yeah? Yeah. Pricey, we're talking about this fight with Christian Hammer. Pricey says that his fight is on ITV4. It wasn't us. We didn't make it up. Mm-hmm. All we did was report what Pricey told us. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, and we are told from ITV, after they contacted us, thank you very much, ITV, for getting in contact. Thank you very much for subscribing to the podcast as well. Much appreciated. Yep. Um, that it was never the case that ITV4 would be showing any of uh, this particular fight card. Everything would be on ITV box office. Because we were talking last week, wasn't we? That didn't make sense. Yeah, about what fights would be on uh, the pay-per-view uh, yep. for Chris Eubank Jr. and Reynolds Quinlan. Because we were basically saying that, who's going to buy the pay-per-view if they're going to show Pricey and other stuff on ITV4? Yeah. Because you're watering down what is a decent card altogether. Yeah. To just go, oh, just that bit's worth £10, this bit's free. You know, most people go, okay, well, I'll watch the free bit and then, you know, if there's only two or three fights, I'll stream that or I'll catch Mm. it on YouTube later. So we told you what we were told by a fighter on that card. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, And now ITV wants us just to correct that to say that everything is on uh, ITV box office. The whole card is on ITV box office. There will be no fights on ITV4. It's nothing to do with numbers being low or uh, anything like that, just in case uh, <coughs> you, you're trying to read into them maybe <coughs> thinking, <laughs> changing their mind. I'm sure, you know, last week when they did the Robbie Davis show? Yeah. I'm sure Pugash, during the presenting, said, Mate! It's coming up, ITV4, then ITV box office. I'm sure he said, Well, there's going to be some It's not ITV4, like a big ITV broadcaster to uh, backtrack when, uh, you know what I mean, they've, it, things aren't necessarily going their way, but we'll play, but we'll play ball. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll jump on. Nobody changed their minds. Much, um, and everything's on ITV box office. Yeah. All right, there you go. So that's the official line. Now let's get to the fights because we're excited about it, mainly because Price is involved. But let's before we talk about Pricey, let's talk about the main man, right? Chris Eubank Jr. Mm-hmm. taking on a kid that none of us have ever heard of for the IBO uh, Super Middleweight Championship. He's yep. he stepped up in weight in order to, well, they say get himself a bargaining chip. That's yep. what he wants. He wants a bargaining chip for James DeGale or one of the other Super Middleweight champions or any. Uh, champion that is out there to boost his uh, world level ranking now for me okay I can understand that but where in your opinion you've been doing this a long time where does the IBO belt 
rank amongst the WBO belt, the WBA belt, the WBC yeah. belt, the IBF belt? Is it really something that James DeGale is going to be asked about? It isn't, no. Um, and it probably ranks fifth, I'd say, amongst all the belts. You've got WBC, IBF, Top boy, yeah. WBA, WBO, and then I guess IBO was probably, you know, pretty fifth, but, you know, a, a substantial Would you take a down. Commonwealth belt over an IBO belt? I'd take a British belt over an IBO belt. There you IBO go, then. Belt. Or the European, right. definitely. So what is then the point of doing this if DeGale's not going to be asked about it? Yeah. Eubank Jr. is a big enough name. It will sell. Yeah, it, well, they, in the Eubank's mind, you see, and in a lot of people's mind as well, you know, you need a title fight to sell a main event. You need a title fight to sell a box of office event, which is obviously why they've made this move and they're bringing over Quinlan. This, you know, this, Quinlan's an Australian guy. He's never fought outside of Australia. That's why no one's ever heard of him before. He beat Daniel Gale to win this title. We know Daniel Gale is, of course. Washed up. Come on. Washed up, but at one stage was a, a legit contender. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... You know, it's, in that mind, it's a legit belt. Now, I know the Eubanks are saying, oh, but Lennox Lewis had one, Prince Nazim has had one, you know, uh, the Klitschko has had one. Yeah, those guys, you know, Roy Jones Jr., yeah, those guys had all the belts. Yeah, it, it was wasn't a coincidence like, that they had it. Well, they just had that with everything else. Of course, yeah. I guarantee when they, it was like, we're going to do a photo shoot, get your belts, it was like, okay, WBC, IBF, yeah, yeah, WBA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they didn't come to the table that one? Ju- oh, the IBO. oh yeah yeah stick that in as well make it a nice picture absolutely they didn't come to the table with just that exactly belt. it was, it was more a case on. the IBO were going oh we'll sanction that as well yeah. with our world title belt yeah 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 Sound, yeah. do whatever you want more mm. belts than readier so I don't when people are just individually fighting for these IBO belts it doesn't have the same no absolutely sell as as you know so the, so, so the belt isn't on the level that we want it to be at no let's talk to, let's talk about him Chris yeah. Eubank Jr. Because we're, we're, I we're love both, him. Mate, we're both I big fans of I absolutely love him. I think he's brilliant. And I will watch the fight because I really like Eubank Jr. Right. Okay. Agree. Yeah. But what about... I, 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 I'm I a fan of, of uh, Mavericks. I'm a fan of anybody wanting to change the game. I'm a fan of anybody wanting to take control of their own careers, mm-hmm. which the Eubanks are doing, and I applaud them for that. Yep. Now, they're going so far left field. They're going so far out the way to change the game, yep. are they going to be able to do it? Because from a promotional point of view, we've discussed this on the on the, on the the show previously. To the traditional routes, they have a promoter, let the promoter make the fights, you do the fighting, job done, you'll get paid. Mm-hmm. But they want to do the lot, they want to control everything, hence this new TV deal. Yeah. It's the Floyd Mayweather dream, isn't it? Well, that's it, the Floyd Mayweather dream. But there was, there's, a, there's an added thing that bugs me a little bit about it because he doesn't use a trainer. Yeah. That's the one that I want to talk to you about now because we spoke about changing the game regarding promotions, which I think they can do. Yeah. That, that's real. They can do that. Of course. Maybe they did it. So, But what about the non-trainer thing? You know what mm. I mean? As he goes up the ranks and he fights legit top boys, having just his dad talk to him in the corner, yeah. is it is it just not too much of a vested interest? Is it just not too much that? Should he have a, de- a de- designated, i.e. Adam Booth, for example, yeah. someone like that in the corner just to say, right, I'm training you for this particular fight to do this particular geezer, and when it, the going gets tough in the corner... I'll be your voice of reason. Should yeah. he? He should, in my opinion, have someone like that. But they keep opting not to have one. Yeah, I think in terms of them saying we haven't got a trainer, Eubank Senior is obviously the, the head coach. Eubank Senior is obviously the one calling the shots, telling them how to game plan. You know, tell them between rounds, do this or do that. That's that's the role. When they say no trainer, they've got people there holding pads. They've got people there doing his fitness. Oh yeah, of course. Else, they've got 
But you, the last say goes with Eubank Senior, just because he doesn't put a tracksuit on and hold the mitts himself. He doesn't want to do that because he's, you know, Chris is mental, isn't he? So he wants to punt about in his monocle and everything else, but he wants to be the one who goes in the ring, you know. So in some ways, it's similar to Leo Santa Cruz and his father. His father corners him. Obviously, his father turns up in a fancy shirt and a cowboy hat, and he doesn't necessarily look like he warms him up either. So I don't think there's a massive, massive, you know, anything removed there. It's it's not like they're changing the game. It's just unusual that Chris Eubank Sr. Uh, isn't in a tracksuit. You know, he's in his full suit, mm. and it just looks different. But then they've, he's always done stuff different. So, But what about the aspect of... They don't actually come across. I mean, I mean, I mean, I might have read into this wrong. Everything yeah. that I've heard from Chris Eubank Senior, Chris Eubank Junior, regarding the training regime, they're not training for specific fighters. If no. that makes sense, yeah, yeah, they're just training, of course. And then the advice comes within the fight, so he's he's doing it on the fly. Yeah. Whereas, as we've just mentioned, Leo Santa Cruz had a game plan for completely for Frampton at the weekend. Yeah. He stuck to a game plan. There doesn't seem to be a game plan. It's like no. It's like Chris Eubank Junior does this. Yeah. Go and do you. Yeah. And as I'm watching this fight, I'll say, right, there's a weakness on the right-hand side. Let's go Let's go uh, uh, right hooks to the body. You yeah. know what I mean? Throughout the course of the fight, he doesn't Completely. necessarily do that beforehand. But that's that's all built on the fact that Eubank Senior and Junior are bought into the fact that Junior's special and he's a lot better than everybody else. He's the next Mayweather, if you like. He can you react listen quicker. to them talk, they're like, he's the best in the world now. He's better than anybody. Now, we don't necessarily believe it yet. We think there's guys out there better than him. You know, uh, there's, better, there's guys in this country that have beat him. So we're not bought into it yet, but they're bought into it. They're fully bought into yeah. it. So their whole approach is, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not arguing that, they don't need a game plan to take a belt off Reynolds Quinlan. You know what I mean? That, yeah. Because Eubank, Senior, Eubank Jr. is levels above Quinlan. That's a fact. So at the weekend, it'll just be a case of Eubank Jr. getting in there, doing his thing, smashing Quinlan to bits, taking the belt. Hmm. Now, if we were fighting Triple G or we were fighting one of the other, like a James DeGale or something like that, then things may be a little bit more different. We Would, may it, see though? A di- Would no, it though? We don't know. We don't hmm. know. Uh, uh, the setup, I think, will be the same. Yeah. I think Eubank Senior will probably do a lot more work behind the scenes. They will take, you know, because in the gym, they may well be going, right, okay, we're going to do Southpaw sparring today and we're doing this. Way. It may be quite hands-on. But I think the other way, of course, is the fact that it's just that control thing. The Eubanks have always wanted control of everything. Mm. So it's like, I'm his manager, I'm his head coach, I'm his corner man, I'll do this, and it's us, it's just us two. And there is a team there, but it's not about you. you we'll just pay you a wage. Yeah. And all the guys who are working behind the scenes, they're just getting a wage then. The, it's it's the Eubanks who are flying this ship, and they want every penny out of it. They want to milk it as much as they can. So, the setup which you've got to commend. Oh, completely. And as, as I say, the setup I don't find that unusual because it's Eubank Senior. I kind of expected it. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you'd be midway through a fight. He'd hear the coach giving the wrong advice, and Eubank Senior just getting the ring. All right, get out, you're sacked. I'm going from here. You can see that happening. Yeah. So it's, they've 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 beat, beat that by just doing it anyway. It wouldn't surprise me if further down the line. You may see Junior, because Eubank knows that to make the real money in this game, you've got to go and live in America and be based in America. And I think eventually they will go over there, and you may see somebody, you know, one of the, you know, Freddie Roach or someone like that, take over at that stage when he's, like, you know, unifying belts, because he's got the ability to do it. Mm. And Eubank Senior might take more of a manager's role rather than an in-the-ring role. I think that might naturally just evolve there. But for the likes of Quinlan and stuff like that, no problem at all. Undercard, pricey. Massive, yes. It's a massive night for him, mate. Huge. Absolutely huge. This is It's a world title fight. 
you know, it's not, but it may as well be. You know, it's for the WBO European. You've obviously got uh, Joe Parker in New Zealand, him and Huey Fury going to pay bids for that WBO world title belt. Today. Regardless of who, who gets that, whether the fight's in New Zealand or in UK or what, whoever emerges with that belt, this WBO European champion um, is in pole position to fight that guy because Joshua's tied up, Klitschko's tied up. You know, the, the way it's kind of planned out, it'll be perfect. That if Pricey can win this at the weekend, he's in pole position to fight either Fury or Parker yeah. for that world title belt. So it's a uh, and he's no mug hammer. Everybody's heard his name. Everybody uh, don't forget as well. Deontay Wilder's just lost his opponent, and Wilder and Huey Fury have spoken previously about fighting. I think Huey Fury prefers the Wilder fight. Yeah, he does. Than Joe Parker, he, he told us that exactly in the, in the past. He, he, he wants to fight because Wilder's a bigger name. I guarantee if he pulls out of negotiations to fight Joe Parker, whoever wins this battle at the weekend will fight Joe Parker. They will be in pole position. It could happen. You know, everyone was laughing and joking at us when Pricey was having a, was 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 getting beat by drug addicts. You know, by by these cheats. People were laughing at me and saying, "You've got no chance. You'll never become a world champion." If Pricey can do a number on Hammer at the weekend, I tell you now, it's a fifty-fifty fight. It's a real heavyweight fifty-fifty fight. And if Pricey can win that. He's in pole position to fight Joe Parker. And if Huey Fury decides Wilder's his way, you could see David Price in the world title fight by summer. And Parker wants to do it in the UK because yeah. his eyes are on Anthony He wants Joshua. AJ. He wants AJ and Fury. He wants to get... The heavyweight division is the UK. So mm. everybody wants to come over here. Wilder wants to come here. Parker wants to come here. Everyone wants to fight here because AJ's the meal ticket. He's the goal. You know, he's the, he's the big draw, if you like. So they all want to come here. So Price is in a brilliant position. But well, first of all, he's got to beat Christian Hammer on Saturday night. And it ain't, it ain't an easy fight. Guy, Hammer's full of confidence. You could argue Pricey's not really beat anyone on his comeback trail yet. This is a first big step up for him. Hammer will have looked at Pricey's knockouts and gone, I hit this guy in the chin. Catch him on the whiskers, he'll go. Mm. You know, so it, it's going to tell us a lot about where Pricey is mentally yeah. and his relationship with Dave Caldwell and everything else and how Dave's been able to rebuild him. We want to see Pricey get... I want to see him run to the ring. I want to see him aggressive. I want to see him spitting on the floor and pushing people out the way. And I just want to see this big, horrible, nasty bastard. That's what he's got to be. I don't want to see David Price, the gentleman, waving to people and, you know, oh, Dave, you got in the ring before me and ducking through the ropes and nice guy, Dave. We know he's a nice guy. That's why we like him. That's why he's a friend of ours, because he's a lovely fella. I don't want to see him in a boxing ring as the lovely fella. I want to see him as Tony Bellew's sparring partner who's fed off Bellew's raw passion and emotion and he's in there and he's going to do a number on Christian Hammer. That's what he's going to do. Otherwise, he'll get beat. Do you know what I love when I speak to Nick about either Pricey or Bellew? He gets so fucking revved up. (laughs) Honestly. His face has gone red across from me. Uh, If you want to hear from uh, Dave Caldwell, um, he's on our uh, Radio City Talk uh, show this week, which is available for download. If you subscribe to us, you will already have it in your feed. Colwell's on there talking about his relationship with Pricey and what he envisages uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, go to fightdisciples.com if you haven't heard that episode as of yet. There's a little bit of Pricey on there as well, talking about wanting to become uh, that nasty guy, trying to shed uh, the shadow of obviously being uh, Mr. Nice, which everybody knows. Gentleman Dave, as you just remi- uh, uh, reminded us there. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Now then, uh, away from the ring, there has been uh, quite a few things happening uh, in the world of boxing with uh, characters. We love the characters. That's what we do. We celebrate personalities on this particular show. Um, And it seems um, that Charles Martin keeps popping up in my social media timeline. 
Uh, for all the wrong reasons, I suppose. Since um, since AJ did a number on him, put him mm-hmm. on his backside and took his world title off him, um, it doesn't he doesn't seem to be in a good place in his head. We've seen the uh, one where his eyes are kite. Mm-hmm. He's been back on this week on his social media, calling out AJ, saying, come over here, we'll give you a good idea in America, we'll shoot you. Then using that N-word again that we've been talking about. He just... He needs... For me, I mean, I don't know the dude, but for me, he needs help, mate. There's, yeah. there's people obviously taking the piss out of him and having a laugh at him and all this type of stuff, but it's, it's obviously hurting bad to to fall from grace as he has fallen from grace. Yeah. And this is where somebody, somewhere in boxing, needs to step in and say, Charles, come here, son. Mm-hmm. You're obviously dealing with something in your head, some demons here. Let's get you back on the straight and narrow sunshine. Yeah. There it's needs to be a curse system for him. Completely, yeah. It's a scary situation because you never know what's going to turn up with this Charles Martin thing anymore. And, you know, you know, he, he's, he literally his fall, from, his fall from grace has been all of a sudden, hasn't he? Yeah, know? yeah. To go from world champion... You know, he'd literally gone from hero to zero with that loss to Anthony Joshua. Everyone questioned the fact that he got lucky to win the world title belt anyway. His performance against Joshua was embarrassing. And I think he probably knows that better than anybody else. He was terrified of Joshua and just got caned. Uh, and now, it, evidently, it seems like he's a man He's a man on the edge. So he's actually managed by a, a, a guy from Merseyside. He lives up in Aintree by the race course. He's a, you know, there's a, a guy up there that manages fighters as well as trains racehorses and stuff like that. And he's actually managed by him, or he, at least he was yeah. during his world title reign. I'm not sure anymore, but uh, it's scary, isn't it? You know, I'm like you. Every time something pops up, you think, oh, no, what's it going to be now? Um, but, yeah, someone needs to put their arm around him. He needs help. He needs help desperately because, mm. uh, you know, it's only going to go one way. And, unfortunately... It doesn't look like he's going to regain his, you know, his boxing prowess anytime soon because clearly he's a man. He's a man that's on narcotics at the moment. So, mm. one man that doesn't need an arm around him um, is Floyd Money Mayweather. Now, on our UFC show tomorrow, we will be speaking about the other angle to this particular debate in Conor McGregor, who was in Manchester at the weekend, yep. um, basically telling everybody to do one and that he's the main boy. But we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. So make sure you subscribe via our website, fightdisciples.com. Floyd Mayweather is obviously the the other side of this particular debate, and he added fuel to the fire mm-hmm. on the same night that Connor was speaking. So Connor was speaking in Manchester, doing his thing. Floyd Mayweather rocks up, obviously at the uh, at the Frampton mm-hmm. event in Las Vegas. They get him on Sky. They put a microphone right in front of his face, and he tells him, "Yeah, in it, without actually saying, yep, yeah, I'm coming back.' He did everything in his power to tell you that he was coming back. It's going to happen, and it's looking yeah. like it's going to be the end of 2017." And he's even gone out and said it's going to be Conor McGregor. Yeah. So the circus is coming to town, man. Where we've it's mental. We said when we started this whole debate, it would never happen. Then there was so much smoke. There can't. There has to be a fire. There's been so much smoke. There's got to be a fire at some point. Yeah. This fight is happening. It's happening this year. For me, because this is the boxing show. Yeah. And as a boxing fan, mm-hmm. I think it's a farce. Yeah. But you can understand it because it makes so much money, man. It's a billion dollar fight. That's a fact. It makes a billion dollars, the first billion dollar fight in the history. So that's why it'll happen. That's why it's inevitably got to happen. Listen, there's a million reasons why, from Conor McGregor's side and the UFC's point of view, which we'll get into on tomorrow's show, there's a million reasons why it definitely isn't going to happen. And I say we'll get into that tomorrow. But purely from the boxing side of things, I'm kind of, I'm trying to, it's, it's tough because we're both boxing and MMA fans. We like, we love both sports. But trying to think of it purely as a boxing fan. 
Doesn't it tarnish Mayweather's legacy? Huge. 49 and 0. Beat the best of this generation. Mate, to talk Rocky Marciano, to talk 50 and 0, right? Yeah. Because, let's be honest, we both think he's going to win. Of course. He'll school, he'll school Connor in the boxing ring. Yeah. So he goes 50 and 0. But. It's not one of. It's, normally, that is something to be celebrated, isn't it? That's of something. Fucking hell, he's Rocky Marciano's record fifty and all. Look at yeah. this guy, the greatest of all time, multi-weight world champion. Da 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 da. Yeah, but he's just beaten a novice. He's just beaten a dude off the street. A complete. He novice. might as well just fight me. A complete professional boxing novice. That's who he's going to beat. You know, we're kind of looking at it from that point of view, though. We're kind of going, you know, in the history books, and you know, to beat Marciano's record and blah. At the end of it, listen, the guy's called money for the reason. Yeah, he don't, he give, don't a shit. give a fuck <laughs> about legacy and was saying, oh, well, it'll be his 50th win, but it'll be with a little asterisk. He doesn't care. It's going to make a billion dollars. Yeah. It's going to make more money than any fight in history. And that alone is what legacy Floyd wants to leave. Floyd wants to go, right, I've done Pacquiao, I've done that, I've done, broke all the records. How do I break them again before I sign off for good? Yeah. Well, he beats Conor McGregor. Mm. He fights Conor McGregor. They raise the bar again. They get you know two million views or whatever it'll be. Conor reckons four. The numbers. Well, four million. I don't think views. it'll beat Pacquiao. I don't think it'll beat Pacquiao in terms of pay per view because that core audience, which are like, wow, who's going to win, isn't going to be there because all the boxing press throughout the build up are going to go fucking the mismatch. Yeah. So I don't think people go, oh, it's a mismatch. I'll watch it on YouTube. I ain't buying it. But the casual it's fans, a mismatch. you get more casual fans. But a lot of casual fans are like, I've got to see this fight. I've got to see it because Connor will sell it and sell it like no one's ever sold a fight before. And Mayweather's good at selling The press fights. conferences the will be amazing. The press they? conferences may be pay-per-view. Connor's just done a pay-per-view Q&A. <laughs> The press conference may be pay-per-view. Isn't that unreal? Yeah. The weigh-in may be pay-per-view. Mm. Like, that would not surprise me. To charge you a fiver to watch the weigh-in, a fiver to watch the press conference. People will pay it. People yeah, pay the fiver to watch a Q&A with Connor on Saturday night. Mm. So I guarantee it's got, the whole thing is going to be pay-per-view, which is why it's going to be a billion-dollar fight. That's why it's going to happen. Mayweather doesn't care that, as boxing fans, we're going to go, who's he? Mm. He's never had a professional fight in his life. And, you know, California came out and were like, well, we wouldn't sanction it. You wouldn't sanction someone of Mayweather's caliber to fight a guy who's never had a pro fight. It's never going to happen. <laughs> it ain't going to California. Don't worry about that. Mm. It's going to Vegas. And Vegas will sanction it because Vegas... Anything money, goes, man. Money, money, money is all that matters in Vegas. They've got the T-Mobile Arena there. Yes, it's only 20000 or whatever. doesn't matter. The cheapest seat will be about $1,000 for the gods. Ringside will be like... Can, Six figures. Mm. It'll just be off the chain because you've got all the celebrities that love boxing, all the celebrities that love UFC coming together. They'll all want to be... It'll be like the Oscars. Ringside will be like the Oscars. And fucking Meryl Streep will eat a word. She'll be ringside as well. <laughs> yeah. They'll all be there because everyone will want to be there. It could be. could be one of those historic moments. Remember when um, Ali fought Frazier in New York and wasn't like... Um, Sinatra. Sinatra was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking the timekeeper was, so, you know what I mean? All the celebrities were there. That's what it could be like. You know, we could have a celebrity referee. Sinatra couldn't get a ticket for that. He had to come in as a member of staff. I'm sure there's a famous story where he couldn't get a ticket for it. But talking proper Frank Sinatra, yeah? Yeah, yeah, He yeah. couldn't get a ticket for that particular fight at MSG. And he had to blag his way in as a cl- in a cleaner's uniform or something to get into the fight because every man and his dog wanted to be there. Couldn't get in there. I know someone was someone famous. There was a famous actor or um, singer or whatever was the timekeeper. It was like some, like you know what I mean? Wow. Because they were just that 
they needed to get in I'll, there. I'll, 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 I'll work I'll, it. Yeah, I'll work it. Yeah. <laughs> give, me, give, me a, give me a bell. Give me the bell and the hammer. I'll work the cut. You know, that's what McGregor versus uh, Mayweather, Mayweather like. is going to be like. It's mm. going to be mental. Absolutely mental. The press accreditation for that would just be well, get it. off the chain. Like literally, it'd be, it could be t- you could get twenty thousand press accredit- accreditation requests. But what? See, where you make money is every Vegas, every casino in Vegas will do live pay per view. So, so you'll have to pay to go into a casino to, to watch, watch it, it on a screen. They'll all do it. Wouldn't surprise me if if, if theaters in America and different cities started pay per view to get into the cinema to watch it on a giant screen. People will be doing parties everywhere. It'd be they'll do a world press tour, which will be ridiculous uh-huh. you know so they'll come to london they'll, they'll go to every major city in the world to sell the fight and then it'll go on in vain it, it will be the biggest thing we've ever seen and that's why it will happen and the 2017 we'll be talking about it more uh, on tomorrow's podcast our ufc show make sure you come and join us fightdisciples.com we haven't finished with the boxing though yet um because a fantastic fight's been made uh, for one of our boys, our, our fight disciples. He's been on a, a couple of times. We're a big fan of his, mainly because of the story. We love a, a story behind a fighter, a guy that started out wanting to be just a journeyman, making a few quid, and then rose up the rankings here in Britain uh, in the welterweight division. Probably one of the fights of the year last year with Frankie Gavin, big with time. Sam Eggington. Sensational yeah. round six. If you've never seen it, go and have a little bit of a Google of that. Well, that performance has now landed him a fight with Paulie Malinaggi. A man that we're all familiar with. We love Paulie. We love his personality. First time I uh, um, ever saw Paulie was against Ricky Atten when he had to cut his hair in the corner of the ring, yeah. which was brilliant. Um, but he's coming to town. He's fighting Sam Eggington. It's brilliant. Awesome for Sam. Yeah. Awesome for Sam. Completely. Yeah, 100%. 100%. What a, it's the opponent he's been asking for as well. Yeah. Since he beat Gavin, he was like, I want to fight Malinaji. I want to fight him. So, And it's a European title fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Malinaji is over the moon because his Italian roots, you know, He's, not, he's blagged this shit out he's of it, blagged but we don't He's care. blagged them. That, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, yeah, Italian yeah. parents. Yeah. He's, and I've eaten meatballs once t- in Rome. Typical Malinaggi is like, oh, it's, it's, my, it's been my dream to win the European title. It's like, yeah, come man. on, get over it. Yeah, yeah. But listen, what? it's a great fight. It's a massive opportunity for Sam. What Morgan. a card to be evolved as well. Unbelievable. Unbelievable card. So absolutely delighted for him, you know, and upwards and onwards. And if he can beat Malinaggi, that's, that, that's the key to a world title shot because... Malinaji, while, while he's on the slide himself a little bit now, you know, he, he does more commentary than he does fighting these days. Yeah, yeah. But still, it's like you beat Malinaji, you beat a name like that, then you've arrived, then you will title shot right there it's within grasp. So, mm. massive opportunity for Sam, massive. And I think he'll win it. Uh, obviously, we'll be there. And uh, I've no doubt there'll be uh, a few people listening to the podcast that uh, have aspirations of being there as well. This is obviously on the Bell You Hate undercard. Um, we already know yeah. how Harry Davis and Derry Matthews is on that card, and now we know Sam Eggington. Uh, against Malanaji is going to be on there as well we will be giving tickets away for that in the next couple of weeks and make sure you subscribe to our podcast fightdisciples.com you mentioned Huey Fury a little earlier on today's the day with it being a Wednesday um, that uh, they are going to purse bids yeah I think WBO have said 1.3 million or something I think the last fight which Parker won they started purse bids at a million and this time they've said it's got to start at 1.3 Right. So, so big opportunity for both but as I say there may be a cat amongst the pigeons, yeah. If Wilder doesn't get an opponent locked down. I know Wilder, they were talking about Gerald Washington. They've got weighing up other options at the moment. Well, did you not see the uh, the tweets from Tyson? I hadn't seen the Tyson stuff. Oh, mate, it's great. So Tyson uh, Fury um, has tweeted Deontay Wilder directly to say, right. listen, mate, because he's, he's changed his name again on Twitter to <laughs> Venison Petersburg or something. Well, I don't even know what he's called himself. But he's, he's tweeted uh, Wilder directly saying, listen, bum, if you, uh, if you can't get yourself an opponent by... 
I think it's March or something. Blah blah blah. blah. I'm your man. Give us a shout. You know what I mean. I don't need to do much training for you. I'll come and do my thing. You know what I mean. <laughs> Deontay's response. He said, "Listen, bog eyes. You stay on the toilet or whatever you're doing at this moment in time. I'll deal with you when your time comes and all this." So there's a bit of banter going back and forth. Tyson's chucked his hat in the ring. I don't think he's 100% serious. No. Um, but Huey might. That's what I mean. Huey might skip yeah. away from this WBO shot if the wilder thing is a, is, is a real possibility, you know, because we know Huey Fury's always in camp. He's not like Tyson. He doesn't take time off. So he will be in shape. So he could probably step in and fight wilder for that world title fight if that's the way he wants to go. And when we've spoken to him, I mean, you can go back down our archives and have a listen to the chat that we had with uh, Huey Fury. He prefers that fight. He does, yeah. He wants Deontay Wilder. It's a bigger name. It makes him more money. And yeah. he uh, he believes... He, well, he believes he's got the tools to beat Deontay Wilder. And he wants to be that guy to do it. Because Deontay Wilder is a bigger name than Joseph Parker at this moment in time, even though they're both world champions, it, you're going to beat Deontay Wilder. All of a sudden, you're the main boy in the in, in the arena. Exactly. That, well, that's, that completely and utterly unlocks the winner of Klitschko versus AJ. So Huey Fiore could literally bypass his cousin and go straight to the... Straight to the top if he can beat Wilder. So I don't think that's off the table yet. That could well happen. And again, that opens the door for Price Hammer at the weekend, the winner to go in against Joe Parker. There's loads going on. This Look week. at you. This it's is exciting. what he's doing. He's just making this happen himself, I'm basically right? basically rooting Price's way to a world title. He's going, Price is going to be world champion by May, right? So this is how we're going to do it. We're going to have a phone call in a minute with Huey Fury. He said, Huey, go and take the Deontay fight. Go on, you want Deontay? Go on, take the Deontay fight. Go on, son. <laughs> Do a job on Hammer at Weekend Pricey, mate, because I've lined it up. Joe Parker's coming to town. It's on. <laughs> That'll do me. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Thank you very much once again for listening to our show. Um, if you don't subscribe, come on, get with it. Fightdisciples.com. There's loads of buttons on there to uh, get you through to either Audio Boom or iTunes, uh, where you can never miss out on any of our content. It'll be there for you. Uh, every Wednesday is our boxing show, and every Thursday is our UFC show. You can also follow us on uh, social media at Fight Disciples, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you'll see lovely pictures of Nick's birthday cake. It's all there for you. Uh, you can also see pictures of that security tag on his uh, on his whiskey, <laughs> which he hasn't managed to uh, shank off, but he'll just drink through the bottle, no bother whatsoever. Um, once again, thank you very much for joining us, uh, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.